Welcome to the Security Operative Podcast. This is Tony O'Brien of Security Operative Consultancy Services, here to share with you my perspectives from the world of security and risk management. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to episode number 28 of the Diary of Security Consultant Podcast, the show where we talk all things uh, security, risk management and security consultancy. And uh, another episode back by myself again after last week's episode, which was the first one with a guest, Mr. Justin Casey, and believe it or not, second most popular uh, podcast ever in the first week. So it's only out a week and it's already our second most listened to uh, video and podcast ever, which is good, all down to Justin, not down to me. You'll notice my fancy new um, virtual background here as well. That's down to Justin as well. One, putting pressure on me with his background last week. And secondly, making it for me. So <clears throat> we're back on my own this week. i got some more guests coming up over the next couple of weeks. But something I wanted to talk about this week, I suppose, uh, as a separate instance on, on my own, I suppose, um, <clears throat> being uh, supply chain risk management and supply chain security. I think uh, it's something that's come up in work this week and over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we've had a number of, of clients ask us to do um, third-party audits on some of their supply chains. And we have had a number of providers come to us who have clients in the corporate sector uh, who have been asked by their clients about their supply chain and how resilient their supply chain is. And in fact, to provide uh, first-party and have had second-party audits uh, carried out on them by clients and their representatives. So that's what I said we talk a little bit about here. Uh, as security providers, both at a company level and at a individual level, carrying out, I suppose, making sure that we have a resilient supply chain. And I suppose in the last year, the word resilient has become kind of the buzzword for the security industry. It is the new word in the security industry becoming resilient personally and professionally and from a business point of view, uh, I suppose years ago it was a buzzword in governance was being resilient and this pandemic and other events around the world have really shown that it's the, the organizations and the individuals who had good governance and who had uh, resilience practices in place who have been able to take opportunities um some are called look I, i've been quite lucky in, in how our business has gone here and that we've been shown to be quite resilient but that hasn't come without work and resiliency uh, is something we'll talk about separately but a big 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 part of that and one of the buzzwords and that's become apparent over the last couple of months in particular recent months in particular has been the resiliency of your supply chain and how you ensure that your supply chain is resilient and getting the most from your supply chain in terms of having the resilience in it backed up with redundancy but also having the the confidence that you can go and make claims to clients and then confidence in yourself to be able to supply and deliver service delivery knowing that that supply chain is there in the background for you so there are a couple of things that we're kind of going to look at today i suppose where it's come from uh where the big i suppose emphasis on resilience has come from uh and on supply chain resilience has come from uh in the last well i suppose a couple of things have shown it up i suppose the global pandemic being the obvious one putting real strain on supply chains in in, in food um in vaccines in medicines we saw at the start the craziness down down in society with big rushes for things like toilet paper then hand sanitizer. Then when the mask wearing became uh, something that WHO was pushing, obviously you could not get masks anywhere then. Gloves, crazy stuff uh, going missing. And organizations, retailers, corporate bodies, 
even security providers struggling to supply a service because they couldn't get the equipment that they required to supply to their employees to give them that supply chain in the background that allowed them to continue doing what they're doing and take advantage of, of other organizations. Uh, then I suppose over this side of the world, we've seen Brexit happen in the last while and we're starting to see that hit the supply chain in terms of delays with things getting in, uh, food shortages, changes in taxation. Uh, we're going to start seeing anyone ordering from Amazon the last while I started to see it. So it's about, well, how do you manage that resiliency? And obviously people who are importing goods or exporting goods to the UK from Europe are starting to see those uh, in the last while. And in the cybersecurity world, obviously the big news over the last year or so has been the SolarWinds hack. And that really put emphasis in the information security and the cybersecurity world on the resiliency of your supply chain and how can you stand over with confidence your suppliers, their suppliers and their suppliers and how far down the chain can you reasonably be expected to go in terms of securing your supply chain. So a lot of big organizations who would have been quite confident in their own information security protocols and practices, quite confident in uh, possibly in their first level suppliers ended up getting really, really badly hurt because of second and third order uh, supplier, um, one called weaknesses, but issues, I suppose, uh, due to that. And it's really shown. Uh, so what we're starting to see is uh, for security providers, one or two of the big clients around the world starting to go, okay, we really need to look at our second order and our third order. So we're able to say, yes, we have this security provider in place, but what assurances can that security provider give us about their supply chain and how resilient their supply chain is? And people think that when we talk about supply chain, that we're just talking about goods. But in fact, we're not. And we'll talk about that from a security provider point of view in the, in the next one. You know, your vehicles, your staffing, your training. Your, then you go down another layer. You talk about, well, getting your equipment in for training, your disposables, your PPE. Then we talk about your vehicles. Well, we talk about your fuel and your servicing. Where's your supply chain resiliency in those? And how far down do you actually go? You know, what are your contingency plans in there? And I suppose it's caused me to go and have a look back at some of the standards uh, that are in place around the world, I suppose. And I suppose two quite interesting ones is obviously the, you got the ISO 28000 uh, series, 28001 series, which is the supply chain security standard, which is a really, really interesting standard to, to take a look at in terms of um, what they recommend in terms of leadership and commitments, but also what they recommend in terms of contingencies and how you frame your your supply chain audits and, and, and things like that it's a very very interesting standard that i think people should look at and then you've got the iso 22301 which is business continuity uh, standard which talks a little bit as well about supply chain and the resilience of your of your supply chain in business continuity planning where which is an interesting one to to have a look at as well so i always say when it comes to when you're doing plans like this you can't do them in isolation just say look this is how we're going to do it it's always good to look at best practice for this sort of stuff and see okay well what is the the world doing and i suppose when it comes to supply chain it's that little bit where risk and security and safety now cross over now with quality because that's really what supply chain management is about. It's about showing that you are a quality provider because you've invested in your supply chain. Anybody can rock up, put three people and a vehicle on a job. Anybody can rock up and supply 15 or 20 staff to a site, but it's the resiliency of that. What level of quality have they got in supporting that in terms of the training, in terms of the leadership backup, in terms of the consistency of their ability to provide that service on an ongoing basis through adversity, in terms of their ability to get equipment, in terms of their ability to scale up or scale down 
And that's where the supply chain and the quality of the supply chain come in. So we're into that niche area there. Normally on this podcast, we talk quite a bit about the uh, security, risk management, and a little bit of safety. But now we're into an area, again, which is a really interesting area that we spend a little bit of time on with our clients of actual quality management on top of that. And I don't think that the quality management is a separate area to security and risk management. I think it's a layer onto security and risk management. It sets apart good security risk management from security risk management, which anybody can do. Anybody could do a pro forma risk assessment, pro forma SOP and put people out there, but the quality management comes to the top. It's the commitment to quality and the commitment to putting the work and the resource into having that proper resource supply chain in place. That means that your 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 standards are at a much higher basis than your than your competitors when it comes to this sort of stuff. So in terms of what we look at, I suppose when it comes to the uh, to the supply chain, well let's look at how do you, how as a security provider, let's just say you're, you're a security company and you want to look at your, your supply chain, well, where do you have to look? Well, firstly, let's look at our, our staffing supply chain, right? Um, if a client wants to scale up, what is our rapid scale up process? Do we have that? Do we have access to additional staff? Are they already trained or do we need to get them trained? Are they in a position to step into positions if a client needs to scale up? And what's your backup plan if they're not? In terms of vehicles, security vehicles, what is your supply chain for those? Are your vehicles leased? What's the service records for them? Where do you get your fuel? What's your plan if that can't happen? Your office staff, your command and control systems. You know, if you use a patrol management software, what's your plan if that patrol management software goes down? How confident are you in that patrol management software? What do you do if the servers for that patrol management software get hacked and go down? your reporting software if things get access to it and more and more we're starting to see clients come back to providers go okay show us this stuff when it comes down to your audit trail and how can you show quality in your audit trail for this sort of stuff so we talked then about the different types of audits you might come across so you've got your first party audits your second party audits and your third party audits so you've got your first party audits is where you internally look at your own um at your own ability inside, so internal audit in terms of we're looking at our own standards, checklists, um, reviews, training, um, penetration testing on our own systems, stress testing on our own systems. We talk about second party audits, which is where you as a provider are going out to your suppliers and checking them against a set of key performance indicators. And that's an important thing, being able to have those key performance indicators uh, for your suppliers to be able to say, okay, one, can you do this? And two, how can you evidence to me that you can do this? So if a supplier is saying to you, absolutely, I can get you 10 vehicles, fully branded, fully fueled, et cetera, et cetera, tomorrow. Okay, well, show me some evidence of that. How can you evidence that for me? Or, you know, if our server fails, we will have it back up in 15, 20 minutes. Okay, well, show me the evidence that supports that. What is your backup plan? Because you're, you're going to base your contingency plans and your failover procedures on their failover procedures. And it, it may mean that you have to move to a different supplier or that you have to pay more for that supplier or that you have to put pressure on that supplier to come up to a certain standard if they want to continue having your business. And some people would say, well, let's look at what we might do. Or we might just take it all in-house and do it all ourselves in-house. And there's pros and cons to that as well. Yes, it shortens up the supply chain, but it puts all the, all the instant pressure then on your internal first party audits group. And if it fails, everything fails. You have no contingency and you have no backup from a secondary uh, provider. 
who might specialize in that sort of stuff. And then you have your third party audits, which is generally if you're looking for quality or certification, which is where you bring in an independent body who would audit you, your supply chain against a set of criteria, usually like a quality standard, like one of the standards we mentioned uh, earlier on. And it's important that certainly you're doing those first two sets, so first party audits and second party audits, regardless of the size of your, of your operation, that you will be doing those. One, constantly auditing your own supply chain, where are you getting your equipment? How are you sorting your people? What is the state of readiness of those? And how resilient are they on a short-term basis, on a medium-term basis, and on a long-term basis? And those plans won't be the same. The short-term resiliency for a major scale-up at short notice might be quite good, but can you prolong that? If you're going to be using things like, okay, the guys are going to do overtime, uh, how long can you reasonably prolong that as your as your plan? So what's your secondary plan for medium term? What's your tertiary plan for a long-term commitment to that sort of, uh, to a scale up or a scale down? Um, we've seen it with the pandemic. We've seen it, okay, well, what is our short-term arrangement with a failure to, of our supplier to be able to get us PPE? Well, in the short term, we might be able to source locally. Medium term, what's our medium term? What's our long term if we end up in that in that sort of situation? Uh, training and recertification, not being able to kept up to date. What is your short term, your medium term, and your long term? And then going to those short term and medium term suppliers, knowing, okay, can you evidence to me that you are going to be able to step in here and support me uh, with these plans, which I think is a is a very, very important thing. And then if you're really, really serious and you're talking about moving and taking that step up, step up, then you're talking about third party quality audits on your supply chain bringing in an external party, no input, uh, no, um, no bias or very little bias at least to audit you against those criteria and say, for better or for worse, look, here's where you're at, perform a gap analysis, here's where you're at, here's where you need to be to, to be at the, your, your proper state of, of, of readiness. And it's not about patting you on the back, it's about giving you a, a realistic sense of where you are. And I'm not talking about doing a quality audit, doing a business continuity standard, or doing a um, um, security uh, supply chain security uh, standard, just to get a quality mark and just say, yeah, because the quality audit, the third party audit, I suppose that they even as they come, is a snapshot in time. So you use that third party audit to, to benchmark yourself at certain times, but that doesn't take away from the first party audit that should be going, ongoing on a regular basis. So, constantly looking at your at your supply chain and how ready you are in that supply chain uh, to fulfill the if this then that criteria that you would have talked through with your with your clients and i suppose people talk about well you enter this resource or you invest this resource so what's the payback on that resource well i think firstly the peace of mind you can't really put a price on the peace of mind that that gives to a client or supplier that they know that if something goes wrong, your supply chain is in place, that you've invested resource, time and effort into that supply chain to make sure that that supply chain is in place and it is going to be resourced um, into the medium term at least and, and potentially into the long term, depending on how much detail that you've, you've gone into. Uh, secondly, I suppose, if you have those plans and arrangements in place, there's most definitely from what we've seen in the last year, a significant cost and resource saving when things do go wrong. And you're not scrambling, paying top dollar for training, paying top dollar for supplies, paying top dollar to get uh, staff in and train at short notice. You already have those resources in place. You know? uh, so there's a, certainly a business saving there as well. But aside from that, from a quality basis, it does make you stand out from your, from your clients. If we look at that then, I suppose, from... Um, an individual's point of view. You're an individual. 
perhaps you're a security consultant or you're a sole trader or you're in the close protection or executive protection world, freelancing, going from place to place. Well, the same thing applies. How are you resourcing your personal supply chain? You know? And that could be even in terms of things like, okay, what is your redundancy? What does your supply chain look like in the medium term? If we have a, which we have at the moment, if we go into further lockdown across the country, um, government offices slow down, shut down, passport offices, travel uh, slows down, stuff like that. Are all your certifications in this? You know? um, do you need, you know, bank slow down? Have you got access to instant credit and instant cash if you need to travel or do things or buy equipment or invest in training? What is your supply chain like? What is your vehicle supply chain? Is, it, is everything in date with your vehicle? Is, it, is your vehicle serviced? Is it maintained? Where are you getting your fuel? If that company all of a sudden closes down or has an outbreak and your local garage has to close down, where is what's your next best uh, detail? Your equipment. Have you stocked up on things like your PPE, your sanitizer, your batteries? Is all of your equipment in date and working? Because the potential to get it uh, serviced into the medium term uh, could be challenging. So it's about taking a look over your, taking your own personal inventory, doing a first party audit, perhaps even going to carrying out some second party audits on some of your suppliers. Do you regularly use a security provider to, to help you staff positions? You know, maybe go into them and say, okay, what's their contingency plans? Um, do you regularly use uh, suppliers of things like medical equipment? You know, okay, if they shut down, what's your contingency plan? So it's about having those contingency plans. And like I said, th those contingency plans will be different in the short term, scale up or scale down in the event of an emergency, and then into the medium term. But it's important for us as professionals to mark ourselves out to be able to look in the medium term because that gives us the peace of mind to be able to perform for our clients without having to be constantly stressing about having the resource in the background and firefighting in the background to make sure we have that resource. So again, it becomes about investment on a personal and a professional level to make sure that we are looking at our own personal supply chain of equipment, training and resources as we, as we go through. So how do we go about doing that, I suppose, on a personal and a small provider level? I suppose, firstly, is knowing what standard we want to get to and not setting that standard too high. There's no point in saying, look, I want to be sitting on a warehouse of equipment just in case. You know, it's about looking at, OK, let's look at our strategic risk assessment and then maybe let's carry out a, a strategic risk assessment on our clients and maybe looking at geopolitical and things like that. Um, look at some of the companies at the moment who are bringing out risk maps. Uh, I want to say, I should have it on desk here, but uh, Civiline, one of my favorite intelligence companies, uh, sent out their uh, risk forecast to me for 2021 in a diary um, for us. Absolutely beautiful. But looking at it, you're looking at things like happening around the world into the future. Control risks come out with theirs. You know? uh, you're looking at getting the intelligence reports on a daily basis from people like Pinkerton and control risks and, and, and things like that. Using your, your protective intelligence resources to look and go, okay, look, what's coming down the line? And then putting in place a supply chain to make sure, look, if this happens, I have got X and Y in place as contingencies and I can respond. And I can't say that all of my competitors are going to be in the same position. So I talk about controlling the controllables. You can't control what your competitors are going to do, but you can certain and you can't control geopolitics and you certainly can't control what your clients are going to do. But you can certainly put in place the preparations now, invest the time in your supply chain resources and equipment and training. So that puts you in the best possible position to be resilient into the short and medium term when others are scrambling to get their supply chain together.
you know. Uh, and like I said, I'm not talking about having massive warehouses in place for people. Um, I'm talking about putting a bit of thought into the likely stuff and putting in place adequate, reasonable, risk assessed audits, setting key performance indicators. This is where I want to be. This is where I'm at. How do I get to there? How do I scale up? Um, and then assessing myself. And then perhaps even then looking at your second party audits, like we said on some other people, you know. So having your contingency plans in place, but also then on top of having those contingency plans in place, setting yourself designated triggers. What is going to trigger me having to involve these contingencies? Okay, so let's just talk about something simple that we had for a client at the very start of this pandemic. It was a PPE. So we had invested when we first saw the, the outbreak in, in China and we first started start to spread into to Southeast Asia and places like that. Um, we worked with them on a PPE supply chain. Now they already had a good stock of, of PPE, uh, but we worked on getting in place A, a supplier, B, an agreement that cost with that supplier and C, a secondary supplier who was going to step in an emergency and, and had a, a goods on hand. And we looked at putting those supply chains in different places, spreading the, the supply out among um, a couple of providers, but also among a couple of locations where they could access that supply chain if things went into uh, lockdown, which we had anticipated early. Um, and effectively, they were able to carry on about the business as things went into chaos in the rest of the country and people were scrambling. But we put in place triggers Okay, we're going to use this supplier, but once we drop below X level of PPE on hand, this is what's going to happen. We're going to trigger this contract with Y supplier. And if we need to, we're going to go into provision B and one of our other storage areas. And these are not big amounts of stuff. We're only talking about the hundreds or maybe small numbers of thousands of items of PPE. But in, in tandem with activating the secondary supplier, we will then go into our backup or our reserve amount of supplies and trigger C for a tertiary plan would be if we fell below X amount and this was X amount or Y amount away, if you know what I mean. So having those triggers in, in place in there, you know, uh, if my certification goes beyond this, I'm going to contact this, having those things in, in place, you know, um, and knowing what the trigger points are and then sticking to those. Do you have to have that down on paper? I think it's always better because it gives you an overview. Uh, and again, you can send that out to people to show your resiliency. But as long as you're aware of it and as long as you have a plan in place, what I like to do, I suppose, um, I think it makes it easier. You could have a three or four page uh, supply chain management plan, supply, supply chain security plan. Uh, but I think it looks better in like a process, a visual process, like a Gantt chart or a flow chart of, of those types of things. Uh, it's much easier to see if this, then that. And at this, at each stage, it's like a project management um, type of a, a setup. I think it makes for a, a much more clearer visual flow uh, when you're looking at supply chain management. The final thing I will talk about then, I suppose, is the tail end of your supply chain. When it actually gets to you, it's securing that supply chain properly. So having the proper... Uh, physical access controls, information access controls, but then I suppose as well, having the proper storage facilities for it to go in. Um, I was at a facility there at the start of the year where they threw out four and a half thousand face masks because the place they'd left them in was damp. Um, so making sure that you've done a fantastic job ensuring you have this supply chain, this supply chain resiliency for it all to go to waste. Uh, at the end of it, you know, because you didn't secure the supply chain. So that's it in a nutshell. We're going to have a, a guest or two over the next couple of weeks. Uh, I'm not going to announce who they are over the next, uh, until they actually come on. 
uh, surprise guests, but we have a couple lined up, a couple of interviews to do this week and a couple more next week, which is good. A couple more solo podcasts coming up. Today we announced our, our webinar series. Uh, this will probably be out, uh, this, this show will be coming out probably on the 19th or 20th on YouTube and, and the podcast. Um, we have a carrying out security surveys uh, webinar coming up on the 25th. Uh, tickets are available if you go on our website. You can click in the security series webinar blog article that came out on the 18th, and that will take you straight through to Eventbrite. Or you can just go on Eventbrite and search for uh, carrying out security survey um, uh, webinar. It's next Monday night, the 25th, at uh, from 1900s to about 2030 hours uh, GMT. Uh, about an hour and a half talking about carrying out security surveys on sites, uh, carrying out security risk assessments on sites and the inputs and outputs to go along that. So we're looking forward to that. But aside from that, from me, this has been episode 28. Thank you very much for listening and I hope you all enjoy it and stay safe until next week. Thank you for listening to the Security Operative Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and got some value. If you'd like to follow more of our activity, you can find us on any of our social channels at Security Operative Consultancy Services. See you next time.